Hello and welcome to Best of London and thank you for listening. Each week I ask a guest seven questions including what's your best London venue, event, place to eat, area and London life hack. You'll find out the best things to do and places to go. I'm very happy to tell you that my guest this week is a great friend of mine. She moved to London after university and worked with me at one of the world's largest media companies and built successful music TV channels. After that, she took a year off to travel the world solo and spent time in South America and I even joined her for the carnivals in Rio and Salvador and to watch the Rolling Stones do a free live concert on a beach. Her travels turned out to be life-changing. She came back with no money, but with a plan to reinvent herself and become one of the UK's most coveted jewellery designers. She started with a small market stall, and her designs are now worn by countless celebrities worldwide, and her brand is stocked in iconic stores such as Selfridges and Liberty London. She won the accolade of being a best of British designer and was named Next Generation Female Entrepreneur by Economia magazine. Her work has featured across the media, including Grazia and Vogue. This is Best of London, according to Rachel Jackson. We first met working at a huge media company together when we were in our early 20s, I suppose. It was wonderful. We had so much fun there together. And then after a long time building the TV brands and doing a great job there, you then decided to leave and go traveling. And I even came to visit you then traveling. So I'd done around 10 years working for said media company for EMAP. Um, And I'd had amazing time, amazing experiences, going to all these award shows, music events, did lots of traveling. It was a great company, wasn't it? Because it had magazines, it had radio, it had TV. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so lucky, so many memories. And um, yeah, I'd done 10 years. It was my first job post-university. I knew it probably wasn't my calling in life and I needed to broaden my horizons and I'd been thinking about traveling for quite some time. I just decided to go for it and I decided to travel solo and I picked the places I wanted to go and and and, and one of the places I was really looking forward to was South America. I heard so much about it. Argentina and Brazil and Bolivia. It's quite Peru. brave of you to do that solo because I know a lot of people who say I would love to do that but I don't dare to do it solo. I think I think when you're younger in your twenties, you do feel you can do anything, and the world's your oyster. And actually, I'm not sure it was brave. More, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I think obviously there's pros and cons to going with somebody or going on your own. But um, you know, to to be honest, I'd I'd lined up various different people. Uh, important people in my life to come out and meet me in different places so for my oh, birthday, for Christmas, <laughs> for yeah, and obviously you were one of those uh, for Carnival. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I did that, and it was uh, for just over for nine months. I I, I travelled. Long time to go away for. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience. Actually, quite a life changing experience. It turned out. Well, that was it. When you were over there, that you got the idea to become a jewelry designer, didn't you? Yeah, uh, which does sound a little bit random coming from the music industry. Um, But as I was going from place to place, I was collecting jewellery in all these amazing cities 
that I was visiting, I was like a magpie. I've still got some of these pieces today and I, I get it became a way of kind of capturing all of those precious memories and moments of people and of places. Yeah. And I guess some people's reminiscent is uh, triggered by, by smell or music. And mine, I've discovered, is triggered by jewellery. So my whole collection tells yeah, yeah. the story of That's so lovely my travels. To have that. That's yeah. so good to have. Yeah, because certainly when I came over to see you uh, in Brazil, I went over there for about four weeks. You just seem to be having an amazing time. And I was so envious really that you just left all that behind it's a difficult thing to do when you're in a successful job in london that you've worked hard to build up to a certain level yeah but we just had an amazing time that carnival in salvador was wild wasn't it <laughs> it was wild yeah if anyone's ever thinking of going to carnival in brazil do the salvador one we, we actually arranged to meet at the rio carnival we did yeah and the whole thing was i was all looking forward to oh the rio carnival is a world famous of course we and, did start there though didn't we see the rolling stones so yeah i remember i have gone through the amazon rainforest and i was flying <laughs> back from that and i knew that i was meeting you to watch the rolling stones do this live concert on the beach <laughs> was it the copacabana beach yep was it? <laughs> yeah. When I was flying over there, I was like, oh, no, I hope they don't start because it was delayed. So I asked them to radio back. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they did that for you? Yeah, they did do it. Yeah, they radio. It was so nice of them, actually. The air hostess the went show. It was a small plane that we were in. Yeah, they said, oh, we'll, we'll have a word with Mick. We'll delay the show. For you. No, they didn't delay the show for me. But they Who said, knew? They, they, um, <laughs> they said... Um, you know, they said, oh, Somebody really important is flying in. <laughs> they said they're not starting until 9pm. <laughs> I thought, that's fine, I'll get there in time. So I went down there and it was an amazing concert, wasn't it? Seeing yeah, it was them incredible. play live on the beach there. Incredible moment, yeah. But then we flew to Salvador and the carnival there is very wild. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know, but you have to... You have to buy your T-shirts, right, in advance mm. for the various different nights and the various different shows and you're, you're, you're kind of attaching yourself to a particular float and a particular band or musician or DJ. Yeah. And it was just amazing trying out different Do you remember who we were behind? I've still got the T-shirt. Oh, Happer. Oh, really? Yeah. And what was Oh, Happer? And I came back and lived next to some Brazilian people and they said, oh, Ohapa's a great Brazilian. It's spelled O-Rapper, R-A-P-P-A. Clever. But apparently it's pronounced O-Hapa. But also there were other people like Fatboy Slim on one yeah, of them. Yeah, that was really memorable. I remember, I think, seeing Zoe Ball off the back of that oh, really? float. Yeah. Because yeah. you'd met a number of friends along yeah. the way. And yeah. said to them, oh, come and join me. And um, we just had the most amazing week. Talking of friends, you know, I met so many amazing new friends on that trip and jewelry became a bit of an exchange you know mm. you'd give each other um they call them amulets over there right. and it's like you know say you 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 might be parting ways after you spent two or three months even with someone someone that you may see again or you may not yeah. and you might exchange a friendship bracelet or or sometimes a necklace that they would call particularly in brazil an amulet which is for love and protection wherever you go and that's a sentiment mm. that i'd never heard before um, and that does lead into the sort of story as to how um, my brand, my current brand, began. Uh, Rachel Jackson. I remember Jackson. you saying to me when you were there, "Oh, I think I'm going to come back and start a jewelry business." And I thought that's a great idea, but I don't think she'll ever do it. Yeah. Because so many people come up with these I know. dreams. Well, I started collecting it, so I was, I was really into it. And it, it's a way of expressing your personality, isn't it, when mm. you're traveling? Because you've just got the backpack on your back mm. um, with few clothes in it. And I think, you know, wearing jewelry and dressing yourself up that way, you know, it's a, 
an icebreaker. It's something to talk about. Where did you get that from? That looks beautiful. But also it's a way of just expressing who you are. And they wear big, bold jewellery over there. So, Mm. you know, you can really... Uh, say something and at the end of my trip in Brazil I'd met a gorgeous boy who had become really close to and he gifted me an amulet with salt in it now salt is something that they use quite uh, frequently over there they're quite spiritual and it's said to ward off evil spirits and he gave me that with a with a Brazilian flag and he wrote on it for love and protection wherever you go and um, I'd spent a lot of time with that family Um, I'd spent three months in Brazil they invited me to their family home they're very patriotic there and that's kind of quite a normal thing to do so it's very close but then the sad part of the story is that when I got back six weeks after I got back uh, to London I had the news that uh, Ali was the name of my friend he died in a tragic accident Awful. I know. So it was it was really, really tragic but poignant moment, which was kind of life can be fleeting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it is finite and, yeah. and we should do what we love. So it, it was an emotional time. And, you know, coming off those trips, you do feel like you invincible and you can do anything. But I was out there looking for something new. Yeah. And I'd found jewellery and loved it for various different reasons. and And that was the kind of... I guess, light bulb moment where I was like, well, you've got to do it. It's now or never. Yeah. And then that led to me setting up a market stall in its Bitterfields and retraining at Central St. Martins. I really went for it. I had no money left. I was so skipped (laughs) all traveling, literally every penny. Um, I was like, this is is it. This is what I want to do. So how did you manage to make ends meet then? So it's a good question. I went from a really well-paid job <laughs> with a lot going on to this market stall. It's called the Sunday Up Market at the time. I think it's still running. Yeah, it was really hard work. And some weeks I'd make 100 quid a week. Mm-hmm. But I gradually, so it got better. You know, when I first got back, um, I was making big, bold jewellery. It was very Brazilian and nobody bought it. And, um, you know, I had to learn how to adapt to the UK market and what they wanted and learn my style, my aesthetic, really, which is very different now to what it was at the beginning. But it was it was a very organic journey in many ways. And I learned how to VM, display the jewellery, how to price it, what sort of things people would buy. And in the end, people bought it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> they bought it. And um, I, I quite soon got picked up by or found by uh, Liberty, who asked me to do a capsule collection and Warehouse, who asked me to do a capsule collection as well, amazing. which was just amazing. So, it, it, yeah, it was a slow start. I had no money, um, but every little penny I did make, I put back in, and that's the same story uh, now. We're not we're not um, investor-backed, as it were. We've just um, we've grown it from scratch, so it's been been quite a marathon. But but also, I think that's a wonderful way to start because then when you're meeting people in the market every day then you're actually getting to interact with people who are constantly giving you feedback. You can yeah. see what works and what doesn't work in a very immediate way. Yeah. Talk to people, see what people are wearing, see how people react to things yeah. and yeah. see how people buy things. And I remember you saying it's very things can be very seasonal as well. But Christmas was a much bigger time for Absolutely. you than a lot of other times. That's one of the reasons, perhaps, that you're so in touch with what people want. And, yeah, you know, so being important. Spitalfields is... 
It's really the heart of where a lot of fashion trends can start. Yeah, so many big brands, um, really famous brands, started at those markets. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same now, but yeah, there used to be two, the Spitalfields Market and the Sunday Up Market. And um, yeah, a lot of really successful brands started there. It was the creative hub and, and, and buyers would go there. You could be picked up there. Um, so yeah, it was a good place to be. So it sounds like things were quite tough for you at the beginning. Then. Yeah, they really were actually. It was quite a slog. So what... it was blood, sweat, tears. <laughs> People thought I was mad. What turned it around for you? Was there only like one piece? There was actually. So the the the, the first piece of jewelry that I made that I would call commercial uh, that people loved was an amulet. It was a nod to the original amulet that I'd been gifted. But instead of salt, I put birthstones inside. Very nice. People could choose up to four birthstones, can choose up to four birthstones to go inside this yeah. locket. It's like a, a glass-fronted locket that you have I these movable You're still doing them now, right? Inside. Yeah, well, yeah, beautiful. the story goes, it, it, it's, it, it was and still is our best-selling piece. Mm. And we recently did a, a pop-up uh, called The Amulet Bar at Liberty in London. Mm. Um, and that's what we've kind of, how we've made our name. Mm. Um, people um, love jewelry that is cool but also sentimental it turns out and it's a really nice subtle way of carrying loved ones with you wherever you go but in a in a in a fashion statement kind of way yeah so yeah that was the first piece uh, i ever made and where were you living at the time when you were working in there i was living in clapham okay yeah yeah i thought so because i can remember i mean with us being in our early 20s at the time often ending up being out in Clapham <laughs> and going to some of these like late night clubs Student and Veal, stuff. wasn't it? I don't know if it is still Student Veal, but that's where <laughs> everyone went. All of my friends went anyway after university. Yeah, I mean, I love to party, so I was going out. I was burning the candle at both ends, big time, and and then doing this market stall. Obviously, South London, where Clapham is quite far from where my market store was in East London. So I'd be getting up at five, packing the car up. I'd be at the market store for six, setting up. And I'd, I'd only just got to bed probably <laughs> an hour before. Yeah, God, I had so many good friends who would come and bring me cups of tea at the stand whilst I was That's struggling at the back. That's going out and getting up at five in the morning, having to set up an entire market store. Yeah. And then also... Not really for much financial reward. No, at the and I, it was just this. You know, if if you are able to find something that you are truly passionate about, and I still feel that way today, you know, you've got to go for it. And I think that it, if you are prepared to work hard enough, mm. you know, I did build the business from no money or experience. <laughs> whatsoever and we're now a two million pound business in the likes of liberty and selfridges and you know it's really thriving so it's take it's taken time but um i wouldn't i wouldn't rather do anything else yeah well good for you no that's amazing and i I often think that's the case with people who get successful at anything often have to go through a period of time Mm -hmm. when maybe the money's not coming in so much and it is a hard slog yeah. And it's almost like if you put in that effort then, mm. then maybe you do, you can end up seeing the rewards at the end. Yeah. But like you say, maybe it does need to be something you love because otherwise... You wouldn't, you just wouldn't do it. <laughs> then you really would be mad. Yeah. You really would be mad. Yeah. I mean, I, I did sort of part-time work 
uh, back for for EMAP to just kind of help top up the funds. Oh, for the TV channels early on, music TV again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do remember that. Also yeah, hundred pound remember- a week wasn't wasn't much to to live on in <laughs> London, so I did that. But you know, eventually uh, got to working on the jewelry business five days. I had to, you know, be part creative and part businesswoman, which is still the case today. I'm creative director and CEO. So yeah. I do very much wear the two hats, which can be hard work. So that takes us to our first question, which is, what are your earliest memories of Ooh. London? I think I would have to say the very first day I came down from the north. So after uni, I went back home to live with my parents just to figure out what I was going to do. And just to put some context around it, I'm from a small town called Leyland um, in Lancashire in the northwest. Um, It's a fairly small town, beautiful place, beautiful people. I was working for a radio station initially post-uni there, and they were part of this bigger company called EMAP who also had this network of television channels, music channels in London. This is the media company that both you and I worked for. And... um, I had itchy feet at uni. I'd been, you know, I'd met a lot of people that were from the south or were moving down the down south to, you know, pursue their their careers. And I, I had kind of itchy feet to 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 go down myself. Um, I got a job in the in the music television division down in London at Mapping House on Oxford Street, and they said if you start on this day, mm. then you can come to the Q Awards. With no, us. and I was like. Okay. <laughs> and the Cure Awards were like the big music. I don't awards. know what that is, really, what that means, but yeah, sounds fun. Cure Awards were like the big music awards, and all of the best-selling artists would be there. Whether exactly. you know all of the bands from the older bands like Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney, this yeah. thing, to the new bands, which at the time were people like I don't know the Killers or Madonna Oasis. came out and John came. Yeah, everyone. yeah. So there were big, crazy, wild events. I was lucky enough to go along to them too mm. for ten years. And I remember my first one. I walked. In, I just didn't know what to expect, right? I hadn't been to um, one of these big swanky London hotels yet, <laughs> yeah. you know, where all these awards basically take place. And I walk into the Q Awards and straight away I'm faced with the Sex Pistols. Really? I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? And then all my soon to be colleagues who I had not met before, everyone was just having a great time. <laughs> obviously, I got stuck in. And I remember one part of the night, my MD, again, who had only met twice in interview, mm. um, Shirley Rennick, who is rock and roll, the best female MD I have <laughs> ever had the uh, you know privilege of working with, she did a dentist chair on me. If anyone who knows <laughs> what a dentist chair Can't explain a dentist is. chair, please. So it's when they put you on a chair and they basically pour, in this case, champagne down <laughs> your mouth until it's coming out. And, oh yeah, God. and you... With the intention, <laughs> clearly, to get you absolutely drunk as a skunk. And that happened. But then the next day, um, still steaming from the night before, I, <laughs> I'll never forget this. My manager um, took me to one side and said, um, in this industry, we work hard and play hard. You earn the right, you earn the respect to be late. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I got an absolute rollicking on my first official day. Um, so that was, yeah, a lesson I've never forgotten because clearly, I mean, I was still steaming the next morning. <laughs> and like, were you? Which were was you? the reason I didn't 
get in on time. That's pretty bad on your first day. But that was my ND. <laughs> and to set the scene, I, lo- I mean, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was with champagne? Cause I've, I've, that was champagne, oh yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that's kind of hard to drink a lot of quickly. But... <laughs> yeah, it did go very well. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any times that you came down to London as a child? <laughs> yeah, um, yes, actually. Tell Like You Awards wasn't my, my first experience in London. I did come down as a kid thinking about it. My mum and dad brought me to Harrods um, and I got lost in a lift. I think <laughs> I was about, I don't know, maybe six. It was even now talking about it, it gives me the fear. Um, one of those moments where everybody's walking out the lift mm. and they assumed that I was behind them mm. and I wasn't behind them. I was still in the lift no. and the doors closed no. and they keep they cruelly remind me that all they could hear was Mom <laughs> just fading away as I was That's going awful. back down in the lift. Yeah, and I, I can honestly say I've not been back since. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna to want to start stocking your jewellery. I think soon. I should. I think I should conquer the fear. <laughs> yeah, especially can, if I want to be in there. You're gonna to have to go back there. But, um, it's one of the only stores we're not in. Maybe that's why. How did you find them? Yeah. Or did you? Or did you never find them again? Uh, I think I eventually uh, figured out. You set up a new life in in their marble floor. <laughs> Loved it in there. Um, I think I found someone on the shop floor eventually, and um, I think, pre- in fact, the pre- I'm pretty sure I was announced on the tannoy, <laughs> which just added to the humiliation. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> And when you were younger going down there, did you, or just growing up in general, did you think, oh, I want to live in London one day? It was so far removed from, like, I'm from a really working class town. And no, I, I think it was it was university that opened my eyes and where I met people that made me think that that uh, was where I'd want to live. But it wasn't long before I felt completely and utterly at home because I am a creative. And... Uh, not that many creative experiences, certainly where I grew up. And then when I moved down to London, I was just, I mean, it, it, it was and still is my happy place. There's just so oh. much going on, you know, like people from all walks of life, nothing is not acceptable. And mm. you can wear what you want, you can do what you want. And yeah, why? Yeah, for me, it was just, yeah, it's definitely my homeland. Yeah, that's great that you feel, feel like that. And I think a lot of people do get that when they come to London. Have you ever had an inkling to think, oh, maybe I'll go back up north one day? I love the north and I've got great friends there. But I think if you're that person who is, you, you know, driven by, by the energy of a city, then it's really hard to, if that's what you need, that's that's what you need. So, yeah. so no, I think London's definitely the place for me. Well, that brings us to question two, mm. which is what's your best London venue? Ooh. So I think in terms of most memorable, most life-changing, it would have to be Mapping House, which is where our our history together began at this big media company, which was Box TV at the time. For anyone who remembers Box TV, you had to call up to vote for your video and you could do (laughs) that. And Music TV at the time was massive. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's what we all watched. Um, It was us and it was MTV. This is pre-Spotify. This is pre-Spotify. So, yeah, absolutely. That's what people would have on in the background. And obviously, you launched a number of different TV channels when you were there. Yeah. But Mapping House is where both Rachel and I worked. And it was an iconic place. And I used to get, there were also, there were magazines 
being published there, such as Q, Mojo, FHM, Kerrang, Smash Hits, mm. Mix Mag, mm-hmm. The Face, so many different um, magazines there. Various other magazines also came and went from mm. there. Um, it's where Heat started, of course, as True. well, and Grazia. Yeah, and then we had Kiss FM downstairs, Magic, I think, also downstairs. Um, and, so- and then we had TV. Yeah, and TV was the extension of all those titles in TV format. And um, and which TV brands was it as a whole that you ended up working on in terms of? Yeah, so for TV, it was Box Television, which changed to Hits TV and was run by Channel Four, and then it was Q, Kerrang, Smash Hits, Kiss. I think that's it. I think that's it. But I remember it was, as well. You know, obviously a lot of people know MTV. Yeah, but funny enough, these. Brands had a bigger share of they music did, television yeah. than MTV time. did, mm, mm. and so um, you know, hugely successful. Yeah, yeah. So I was working with all the record labels, coming up with creative ideas for putting their bands on those channels. So we'd come up with creative concepts, such as behind the scenes with, or we'd mm. we'd go to a funky venue, and yeah, we did sort of long form interviews with them. Yeah, well, I can remember some of those things now, and they were pretty big stars that you had on there. Yeah, we had, um, I'll never forget, we had Westlife once, um, and they we had a studio on the floor that I was um, working on, and I was really shy at the beginning of my career in London. I like I had come from a small town, I was really green, a little bit naive, <laughs> and they were sat on my desk at one point, and I... After circling the room for about seven, about seventeen times, thinking, "Oh God, oh God, what, what? I mean, what do I possibly say?" I went over to my desk and I said, um, "How long are you going to be?" <laughs> so Westlife, who were just hanging out at your desk? Yeah, well, they were watching me. I don't, like, oh, it was just so uncomfortable. Um, I definitely got better. I definitely got less starstruck over the years, but early on, yeah. Because cool. this bit, this building, Mapping House, it's and it's still there. There were cars, limousines pulling up outside every single day with a new star. Obviously, yeah. you know, wanting to talk to the editors um, or the programmers for the TV about getting in the magazines and That's they, it, you know, coming and do... going, going to the radio station, going to Magic, going to Kiss. Exactly. So, so whether was... it was like George Michael coming in to do an interview yeah. or Slash from Guns N' Roses or didn't you um, even have Rihanna come in one time? Yeah, we did. We had Rihanna also. Um, my desk was next to this studio <laughs> uh, and re- I remember Rihanna when she wasn't a known artist. I think it was just before she released Umbrella. Mm-hmm. And she was also, um, yeah, um, waiting to go in the studio to to record. Um, but, yeah, really nice. She was just really, really nice and lovely girl. Um, but, yeah, who knew? And then Umbrella, I think, went to number one probably around the world, and that was that. Yeah, that's But, yeah, crazy. some amazing people walking through that building. And they're just memories I'll, I'll never forget. Well, that's it, because it was, for me, certainly, I was quite happy to stay there often until midnight <laughs> if I wasn't doing anything else. You had a little just, bed in there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I might have done, actually. I certainly used to sometimes need a little snooze before we were going out. Always there some- was a lot of going out. Mm. There was always like an album launch to go to or a film premiere or... Or if there wasn't, you would just create. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you could get in anywhere. You would literally... If there was a queue, you would take me and whoever we were with to the front of the queue and blag your way in. And I don't know how you did it, but every single time you made up some kind of rock star. I, 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 and, I and you were so confident but that actually, they believed you. It was helpful that you were very, you're very 
young, beautiful, glamorous person there. So if there was something, some big party or event going on that was very exclusive, I'd take Rachel to the front and I'd say, oh, this is the new A-list star <laughs> for a big Sony film that's coming out soon. And I'm her agent. And then they would let us, I don't know how they let us in, but then they'd let us go into whatever VIP party or event was going on. Just always, yeah. one way or another, we would get into places. So good. Good times. And and those were the days when we were working five days a week in the office. You know, mm. I feel obviously it's not like that now. I don't know many people that don't go in more than two days, really. And I do really feel for people in their 20s because we were in our 20s and we just had the time of our life and yeah. really formative yeah. times. And we were with so many different people from different walks of life, different skill sets. And, yeah, it was um, just so different. Um, but I'm glad I had that. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I think especially when it's when, it, when it's like pretty much our, you know, really early job out of university, mm. then it does give you a chance to sort of build different relationships with people and just a group of people, like almost a London family of people that then you can um, yeah. have to, you know, to, to do things with. Yeah, many, many of who we're still in touch with now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever go on the roof of Mapping House? No, I did not know that was a thing. Did you not? Did not invite me to that party. <laughs> well, um, was, th- was that um, allowed? Surely that... It wasn't allowed, no. No. But I used to go on that all did the time. You know? Pretty much every day, I'd say. Can you actually. tell me? I'm going to interview you <laughs> now. What happened on the roof at Mapping well, House? I was on the top floor of Mapping House, so this is why I was going up on the roof. I unscrewed. There were screws screwing the windows shut. It's an old enough building. What? So there was... There you basically was, broke out. So, so basically unscrewed these these screws that were just making sure the windows could never be opened. And then you stepped out onto a little flat roof and then you went up a ladder and you were at the very top of the roof. I think you have been on there. No, you no. never went on there. So I used to go up there and just sometimes have lunch Don't there with those. friends like Andy Boothroyd or Tom Hillier or Stuart Williams and we'd sit up there oh the and secrets are all coming up, out get some sunshine no way did so you do lovely. any work I didn't, did you do any work no 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 we would often work smarter rather than harder I but we that. did I just feel like there was a good vibe and actually at one point the BBC sent a delegate of its senior people to Mappin House because they wanted to know how they could get a great working environment mm. that everyone enjoyed mm. Hi, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) BBC. So, yeah, really wonderful place to go. It is still standing there today. You can see it there in Windsley Street, just off Oxford Street. And the front of Mappin House did actually look over Oxford Street, over the top of the HMV, which used to be there. Now I think it's a sports direct or something. Yeah, there used to be loads of signings and the queues would just go around the block. And, in fact, people would sleep outside. Do people still do that in sleeping bags? Do you remember Maybe, maybe, yeah, because I can remember once Madonna was doing it and people were queuing outside. Crikey. And I went down there and said to someone in the queue, show me your wristband. And it was just a white wristband with Times New Roman about 12 writing on there. I thought, oh, I can pop into Mapping House make a couple of these wristbands on the printer. So I made two. So you. One for me and one for the managing director at the time, Stuart Williams. Can't believe you didn't invite me to that. I know. And so basically... Did you get to meet Madonna? Yes. No. People have been queuing for days. Also, Stuart Williams knew Barbara Sharon, was it? Madonna's manager at the time. And so afterwards, they went to some little bar place or whatever for just a debrief. And then afterwards we went along there because he got to chatting to her. So that takes us to the next question. What's the best thing you've seen in London? Oh, without doubt, the Kerrang Awards. The Kerrang Awards were always such a spectacle. Kerrang is a brand which you might know, really big rock brand, 
perhaps the biggest rock brand in the world and it's a magazine, it's a TV channel, it's a radio station, it's a website. I mean, mainly people probably know it from the magazine, which has been going for a long time. Um, but they did awards every year. Yeah, they did. And um, yeah, there was people like Ozzy Osbourne, Green Day, Slash, Guns N' Roses, Marilyn Manson, Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and <laughs> yeah, they were just just the wildest thing I've ever seen and probably ever will see. <clears throat> yeah, so you'd walk into the Krang Awards and there'd be people in cages with all sorts of piercings in really rude places, <laughs> <laughs> snakes. And um, yeah, essentially it was just a massive event. And yeah, you'd have all these massive, iconic Hellraisers. It was just an awards ceremony like no other. There was one year where I think it was Slipknot actually set light to a table <laughs> yeah. i mean you, i still can't actually believe it happened would you now. know why they did and that it was because slip events didn't get shut down yeah would you know the other thing about the Kerrang awards is every year it had to be from somewhere different because oh. we'd always get barred well, yeah. from wherever it was so every yeah. year it had to be somewhere different and we'd get barred from that place slip not set fire to that table because they were all wearing their masks Right. Slipknot is a rock band that all of them wear the different masks <laughs> and they couldn't drink their drinks. They had the masks in the way. And they were getting really angry about it. And they said, look, we need straws. And they, anyway, for some one reason or another, they didn't get any straws. <laughs> they were getting upset and they ended up setting fire to the table. But it's so funny, isn't it? Because we'd go to different award ceremonies and there's like Q Awards for more mainstream music. There were Empire Awards for yeah. film. Even Mojo did awards for a, for a time. Smash Hits, which is much Smash more Smash Hits, yeah. party, of course. <laughs> and it's so funny that Kerrang! was the one that was yeah. always the big spectacle yeah. and always to see all the outfits that people would wear, to see the crazy things that would go on. Yeah. You're right, actually. It is the one that was the big, mm. interesting one to see. Mm. There's not a lot of rock awards where these people can get together. That's true. Also, you get to interact with them a little bit in terms of, you know, just chatting to the people. Yeah. I remember one time Marilyn Manson accused me of poisoning her. <laughs> Do you remember that? And did you poison her? <laughs> no. I, I, well, i tell you what happened. He came up to me and said, hey, man, can anyone get me some absinthe? <laughs> and I think he was just going to be hard because he was chatting to some people from like Metallica and, you know, a lot, a lot of different bands than yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. And so in front of them, hey, man, I want well, you some... you don't drink absinthe then. <laughs> can you not get some, <laughs> some absinthe? And so... I said, oh, I think I can actually, yeah. And so I went to the bar as a free bar and said, oh, can I have two shots of absinthe? Wow. And I brought them back to him. Hey, man, do you want some absinthe? And I th he looked he looked worried. I think wow. he didn't really want to drink here. Oh. And so he said, listen, man, I think you're trying to poison me. A lot of people want me dead, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. You point to one and I will drink it. Ooh, and you have to drink the other one. And if there's poisoning, then either of us could get it. He said, okay, man. And so I down one, he down the others. And I did this three more times. Wow. And then in the end he goes, I don't want any more, man. Just get away from me. <laughs> and so then after that, I was telling everyone that I beat Marilyn Manson in a drinking That's competition. Great story. <laughs> he wrote about it as well, actually, in some column in LA he did. These British kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That brings us to the next question. What's the best London event you've attended? The best London event that I've attended recently, um, I would have to say, is an event that um, we put on, Rachel Jackson put on, 
um, for Choose Love at the Choose Love store. So Choose Love uh, is a charity that support displaced people from around the world, whether they're uh, refugees of war or uh, environmental disasters. It's a really important part of what we do. Um, we've been supporting them for the past two to three years um, and we create a limited edition necklace every year with Choose Love and with a a celebrity or an influencer. The first one was Dorna Porter and the second one was Gemma Styles. And we raised 160K. We've raised 160K wow. so far for the charity. 100% of the profits of the necklaces uh, go go to the charity. Uh, my mum's a refugee, so it's something that's close to my heart. And very kindly, Choose Love said we could use their store uh, to help sell the product around Christmas time. I think it was last Christmas. And their pop-up store that they do every year is on Carnaby Street, so in the heart of Soho, which automatically for me has just massive connotations with the 60s and the Beatles. And, I mean, it was the place to be. And anybody who is thinking about visiting to London who doesn't know it, Carnaby Street is just one of those streets that is just an awesome place to be. So we're in this massive Choose Love store. And um, we've always got a load of celebrity support for... Uh, the brand and for the necklace for Choose Love specifically. Yeah, I've seen a lot on Instagram and stuff where people to take photos of them wearing the necklace and post the photos. The first one was a rainbow love necklace. You may have may not seen it. Yeah, I've seen it that. was really widely promoted around Glastonbury. We had Zoe Ball was wearing it. Um, Edith Bauman's a big supporter. Joe Wiley was presenting Glastonbury the first year. We, we launched it and she had it on. Vicky Hope. Um, yeah, uh, lots of uh, amazing women wore the necklace mm. it was rainbow pave love and um yeah that was sold out w- w- within a couple of weeks so amazing. and we have a big one coming out this year but i can't announce it yet oh. it's happening very soon and it's very exciting i uh, will check it out on the website i guess it will be announced on there or your instagram um yeah or you can sign up to our mailing list and that way you'll be the first to know so at the event itself then tell us more about it <laughs> Oh, it was fantastic. So we had a video call in from Donna Porter because she was still in LA at that point. Amazing DJ, Lucy Horan. And we had had old friends past and new, lots of influencers and lots of partying. And it was wonderful. And as soon as I walked in, there was DJs going on. There was everyone looking at your jewellery, but also at the Choose Love t-shirts. And so a lot of people were buying those t-shirts, a lot of people buying the jewellery as well, but also just a lot of people talking about a charity that they really believed in. Um, Like you say, it does help people who are displaced, whether they're refugees or whatever reason it is, natural disasters, war or anything else. And I think it really did bring people together. And there was a mix of celebrities there, people that I used to work with, people from the media. But what an amazing message Choose Love is as well. And I think particularly at a really difficult time in the world, I think everybody's wondering what they can do. And and through that charity, you can do something, whether that's buying a cool T-shirt, heart designed by Catherine Hamnett. Look really cute on kids <laughs> as well. well as on everyone. So got I've got them. one myself as well. And so many A-list celebrities have worn these Choose Love T-shirts yeah. from Kate Moss to, yeah. you know, film stars and everything. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, so of course. I know I was certainly eating all the cupcakes <laughs> and drinking all the ginger beer. <laughs> but um, that brings us to the next question. What's your best place to eat in London? I have become more of a supper club girl. Okay. I don't think I could just name one place in London. So, yeah, Supper Club is is a sort of thing we really enjoy now. And that's where 
either it's an organized supper club so you know you sign up to a mailing list and you get to hear about when they are we have an amazing one in the local village now where uh, we are in Y called Y Supper Club um, an ex-chef but in London they're all over the place yeah. and um, yeah usually they're quite intimate maybe eight to ten people and they're in hot demand so as soon as one's announced you have to sign up quite quickly and then you pay a set amount and you get basically a load of gorgeous courses of food but what I really love about the supper clubs is mm. that you get to meet people that you don't know so you're all sat around mm. an, an intimate dinner table mm. for a good couple of hours yeah. And you don't know who you're going to be sat with. And does that ever backfire, then? I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good at moving around. I think, (laughs) well, if I'm here, I want to speak to everybody around the table. But if you encourage, yeah, shuffling around, you get to speak to everybody. That's a great idea. And I've met so many amazing people that way who've become really good friends. Yeah, Mm. that does sound like a really good idea. I've actually never done a supper club. Yeah. So that sounds like a wonderful... Yeah, and I think if you look hard enough, they're, they're, they're popping up everywhere. Oh, for sure. If people were to Google supper club and then and the borough they live in, yeah, then they'll find one easily. Yeah, I love them. So that ne- takes us to the next question. What's your best place to buy things in London? Uh, 100% Liberty. Liberty London. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's my spiritual home. I just love it. It's just an experience whenever you walk in. I don't think there's a store like it anywhere in the world it's beautiful and it's just beautiful I heard that the wood from the outside of the store is taken from an old ship it's true mm. yeah yeah and it's been in a lot of famous films like even the recent Cruella film was it has it really yeah so obviously I'm in love with the jewellery hall it's just the most beautifully curated selection of designers and jewellery I would say in the world obviously I'm biased because <laughs> I uh, I am in there um, but yeah the, the, the people um, that curate the jewellery Ruby Matthew Lowe uh, just really know their stuff and you get um, some really beautiful finds and things that you can't find anywhere else but I think that runs through the entire store you know I think that's what they sort of pride themselves on is uh, unique finds treasure that you can't find anywhere else it's just so beautiful and colorful and a little bit eccentric I love it didn't you do some event there recently yeah we did we did a pop-up event um, called the amulet bar so mm. so this amulet pendant which is the kind of heart of our collection we've created a bar and what that means is you the customers can come up and they can choose their chains they can choose their pendants they can choose the four stones that go inside the pendant and then they can add on charms to that as well I guess to kind of emulate my story of you know traveling where you would uh, collect these charms and pendants and wear your story wherever you go yeah that's beautiful that people can do that and I think that it's so nice to have something that you can personalize and make your own so what sort of things do people want to put in this you can choose up to four birthstones and what a lot of people do is put their children's birthstones inside or their partners. Mm. Although I was, I was quite taken aback at the event because the first three people that came to have a look and to buy, they actually wanted to put their cat's birth stone in there, okay. which I didn't realise was such a thing. Yeah. But it really is. I just had a... 
a conversation the day before with one of my team down at Selfridges because we have a concession down at Selfridges. We have some really beautiful lockets on display and we like to show that you can engrave and we like to show that you can put pictures inside. And some of the pictures on display were pictures of cats. And I was like, hmm, should they not be, you know? Yeah. Humans, <laughs> right. is that not typically what people put in? And, and no, nobody said anything. They're like, you know, maybe they they, they hadn't realised why somebody had put a cat in there. But it turns out that I mean, the joke's on me because clearly, you know, this is uh, people's pets are really important. Um, so you can put whatever, whatever, uh, whoever's birthstone, whether it be uh, animal or human. That's a good, it, good idea. That's a good point, there. actually, because a lot of people have got dogs now as well. Mm. And especially in London, you're getting so many people. They might have and... passed for some people. It was a, a memory right, okay. of the of the cat. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. idea. Utmost respect, really. Are some people just literally taking stones that they love the look of, yeah. and other people doing yeah. it because of the birthday? Hundred percent. So each stone, and there's twelve different birthstones that you can choose from. They all have different powers, as it were, as well. So some stones are thought to bring energy mm. um a lot of people were picking that mm. interestingly positivity strength courage yeah. um and yeah i remember sophia Lispector came to buy she was one of the first people actually to pick up our amulet pendant it was the east london design show and she bought yeah one of the she was one of the first people to buy an amulet and she put her children's stones in yeah, there yeah it's a lovely thing she's a lovely human yeah, she's yeah, great. She isn't supported she? us from from day one. And yeah. she's doing of, s- of all women, she's such a. She's doing so well at the moment because her, her she didn't she recently her track "Murder on the Dance Floor" yes. got back to number one. I know. <laughs> Saltburn. Have you seen it? I have. I yeah. haven't seen it yet. I watched it on my own, and I could not believe what I was seeing. Yeah, I've heard all about it. Someone's it was meant. Somebody pitched it to me as funny. I mean, it's so far from funny. Is it not? In your opinion. I mean, I'm still shocked. Like, I was really shocked afterwards and I thought, I don't know if I would watch that again. But but now I really want to watch it again. Okay. Well, because it was just so, it's just so unique, isn't it? Well, I like I say, I haven't seen it. It's not one to watch with like younger or older absolutely, viewers. Absolutely, absolutely not. On your own is a bit freaky, but I don't know who. You, you want to watch it with someone you feel comfortable with. Do you think I would like it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll check that out. But yeah, that's wonderful that uh, you've had all sorts of different people coming in, and I can understand why they're such a big success. So that brings us to the next question, which is, what's your best area of London? So I am such an East London girl. That's where uh, my journey, my London journey, really began on the market stall. Um, I did that for a good couple of years. Um, until I could afford a studio, which was on Hanbury Street, just across the road from All Saints. Oh, I know. The All Saints with all the bulbs in the yeah. thing, sort of Spitalfields area, opposite Spitalfields Market. Spitalfields, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, it was easy because that's where I was doing trading, doing the market stall. And there's there's a gorgeous shop there called The Mercantile who'd also agreed to take the jewellery on. And Spitalfields, for me... It's just so eclectic. It has everything. It has. It did have the antiques market on a Thursday back in the day that I used to go for inspiration. I think it's still there, but not quite as big. I think now it's there's a lot more food, so it's always been amazing for food. Obviously, you've got curry on Brick Lane, mm. um, and you've got the famous 
bagel shop that's oh, open yeah, 24 hours. There's <laughs> a two now. There's two bagel shops and there's one on the left on the right. And then you've got all these amazing independent stands and um, there's an amazing Ethiopian stand. Two women who, like me, early days, work their socks off to kind of uh, build a, a following over there. And I believe they're still there now. Um, the food offering in Spitalfields Market is a lot bigger, but I went recently and they were still there. And it's just, yeah, gorgeous Ethiopian food, but food from all over the world. Um, yeah, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Mediterranean, all of it. Um, so, yeah, and just gorgeous places to shop. As I said, the Mercantile. And how about would you ever go anywhere for drinks after you... Oh, I mean, there's so many places yeah. in Spitalfields. In fact, there is a little cheeky little open bar inside Spitalfields, which I discovered, which does amazing margaritas. So you have a little shop and a little tipple. You can't miss it. It's, a, it's just a, it's a bar. Like, well, as in you just looks go quite into, Brazilian. You go into Spitalfields Market. Yeah, it's just on the right. Okay. So and it's, just a, it's an open the, bar. It's just open bar. So you're just not like you're walking into a place. It's just within the market. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea to have that, actually, because I think it gives a little bit of... Bit of edge, bit of sass. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Spitalfields is a great area. I would agree with you there. And one that people don't always think to go and visit when they're in No, it's, it's a little bit out the way, I suppose, depending where you're coming from. But when you get there, you can spend a whole day there, especially visiting the, the markets um, and Brick Lane where there's there's more stalls. There's just so much to do. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Sunday. Sunday's the day. Sunday's the day to Sunday's go. Sunday's the day to go. So that brings us to our final question. What's your best London life hack? My best London life hack is to get up early mm. and go and visit if you're creative uh, and enjoy meeting designers mm. and finding unique things yeah. for your home. Um, Hackney is somewhere that myself and my husband would always go at the weekend. You need to find those open studios and all you need to do is just hang around some of the gorgeous coffee shops and look at the pin boards and you'd find the open studios for ceramics, for artists and as soon as you're in, there'll be more advertised when you get there and okay. you can uh, discover more. But I just personally just love finding those hubs, those communities, because you get to speak to the makers, the designers themselves. You hear about the inspiration, the work that's gone into it. And I can honestly say the happiest moments in my day are in the morning when I have a cup of coffee in one of my mugs that's been made you know, by one of these artists that oh, I've picked amazing. up over the years. So do they have kilns there? In yeah, the... yeah, yeah. The whole, it's it's literally their studio wow. and they open the doors for a weekend yeah. or a set of weekends. And just during those times you can go in and buy and they, you know, do their work uh, throughout the month ready for those open studios for people to come and buy. So, you know, it's limited edition stuff. Mm. It's, it's beautifully made and will last for years. And it's got that depth and that story and that soul to it. And I, oh, yeah, can't recommend it enough. I just, and I think in general, obviously I have traveled quite a lot. I did find that getting up early in the morning and discovering, you know, new places through just reading a, reading the paper, having a coffee in a coffee shop, looking at the pin boards, walking around before the noise and the hustle and the bustle gets in the way. You discover so many yeah, Beautiful. I guess that's true. And I suppose you must have been used to getting Thanks. up early as well from when you were doing your 
5 a.m. starts to go to do the upmarket. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm. Uh, so when I you, am an early bird. When you were setting up at the upmarket, would you be, would you sometimes have people wandering around then uh, that early in the morning? Yeah, you would absolutely. Those people looking for something unique. And um, do you think they they get a bit more from you if they're like? The, yeah, definitely, because it's not so busy. Because yeah. yeah, they 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 do get do get really busy. Um, and you can have proper conversations and find out, you know, a bit more. Yeah, that does sound like a really good way of doing things, to go out there and meet the artists. Like you say, you can buy things like the mugs that you've bought or whatever it is mm-hmm. and um, and get a chance to speak to people a bit as well. Yeah. But I'm, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm not always an early bird and I didn't realise that these sorts of things would even be open early. Yeah, yeah. Or people would even go and set up that early. Mm. Um Best time of day. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today. Oh, a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you always, Rachel Jackson. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Oh, um, they can find us online, racheljacksonlondon.com. Mm-hmm. That's where we have our whole collection. Mm-hmm. We also have our full range at Selfridges on Oxford Street in London. Um on the lower ground floor, uh, we have a concession there. At Liberty, we have a small selection uh, there also. And various different independents across the UK, anthropology too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go on a website, there's a list on there. Well, that's true. On your website, and also people can obviously, you can of course buy direct from the yeah. Rachel Jackson website. Yeah. I'll put links in the show notes as well to Rachel's website and to the Instagram and so on. So you can click through directly there. Thanks again for coming in, Rachel. It's been so wonderful chatting to you today. So good. So good to reminisce with you. Thank you so much fun. Well, thank you so much, Rachel Jackson. What an amazing story of going from having no money or rich parents to support her and taking her business from a small market stall to turning over millions of pounds. I'm sure you could tell that a lot of her choices were pretty meaningful to me as well. This week, I've been in contact with some amazing future guests, and I'm so excited to bring you those episodes soon. There really are going to be some phenomenal humdingers coming your way, so please do subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, which are all at Best O London without any Fs. That's Best O London. I'm Ben Affleck with one F. Send me an email if you have any feedback, questions, or if you know anyone who'd be a good guest. All the contact details are in the show notes, and you can email me at ben at lifemac.com. That's L I F E M A C. Someone close to me had a double organ transplant, so if you're wonderful enough, to be okay with being an organ donor, please let your loved ones know, as despite the automatic opt-in, their consent is still needed, and that stops organs being available too often. Please do listen to all our other episodes. They include great recommendations and insider secrets. Next week, we have a very special guest, so be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please forward this episode to a friend you think may appreciate it. You're a truly wonderful and diligent person for taking the time to listen right until the end.
I love you for that. 